people in Ukraine continue reeling over the nearly two-month-old war, the United States and its Western allies move to impose new sanctions against Russia over what President Biden has branded as war crimes. Dr. Max Kovalov is a professor of political science and international studies at the College of Charleston. I spoke with him about the atrocities in his home country. Max, have you been able to speak with your family in Ukraine and what are they telling you about the conditions where they are? I talk to them regularly and um, just um, I, I talked to them about half an hour ago and uh, my parents were actually in, in the cellar uh, under their house uh, because the air, air sirens were going on. My parents had to go down to the shelter in the cellar seven times, times today since about five o'clock in the morning. Oh my goodness. Russia invaded Ukraine on February 24th, 2022. That action triggered Europe's largest refugee crisis since World War II. How long have you lived in the United States? I grew up uh, in, in communist Ukraine when Ukraine was uh, a, a part of the Soviet Union. So I, I grew up uh, in a one-party state and a state-controlled economy where um, there was no autonomy for um, any kind of uh, uh, political thought or independent thought or uh, economic activity that was not affiliated with uh, the Communist Party. And so uh, any source of, any autonomous source of power was eliminated by, uh, by the Soviet sense because that was one goal to eliminate any kind of, yeah. Uh, distinctions and divisions between people, genders and classes. And um, so um, it was this utopian idea of moving to a communist future. Uh, but, uh, you know, you, you could not en engage in a, in a protest and you could not uh, start an, a business or uh, you could not be an entrepreneur until, until about 1987. So it was a criminal responsibility. It, it, it was a crime to open your own business. Uh, and then Mikhail Gorbachev, when he came to power in 85, started these, a, a process of uh, opening, which we refer to as perestroika. Um, the process was designed to kind of catch up with, uh, with the West, and then there was a recognition that the Soviet system had its inefficiencies, and uh, so the goal was to introduce certain reforms in the Soviet system to so that the Soviet system to, to bring maybe more happiness, more wealth and some more abundance to Soviet citizens. Well, reforms didn't go as well as they were as, as they were planned. And um, Gorbachev was removed from power temporarily in 91. And then the Soviet Union collapsed in 91 and Ukraine declared its independence in uh, December of 1991. So this uh, last year we celebrated the 30 year anniversary of uh, Ukrainian independence. My hometown is uh, serving right now as sort of a, a, as an asylum for Ukrainians from other parts of the country. And so people who have been fleeing uh, the areas that on the border with Russia and Ukraine in the cities of Sumy, Kiev, uh, Kharkiv, some of them end up in Vinitsa in my hometown. Mm -hmm. Some of them continue going further west to the border and to the Polish border or to Poland. Um, I have friends who, who had to leave my hometown, but they, they're still on the Ukrainian territory. 
I have friends who volunteer who in in the local self-defense units. I have friends who are staying behind either in Kiev or in Vinitsa and they are ready to fight. So you believe that some of the activities that happened in this country, that happened in America, bolstered the ability for the invasion in Ukraine to happen? Yes. I want to remind everyone that this is the Russian invasion of Ukraine, but we, the West, the Europeans, to some extent, we created favorable conditions for this invasion. We, we've been engaging in different types of conflicts we're, we're among ourselves, uh, you know, and it's uh, and these conflicts were exploited by by Russia. So every time there is, you know, what I, I'm sure when Vladimir Putin was watching the events on on January sixth of last year at the Capitol. He probably had popcorn and he was eating and he was enjoying as if it was a major entertainment, major entertaining show. Because those, those divisions among Americans were showing to the rush to the Kremlin, to the Russian leaders and to the Russian citizens that not everything is good and tight and, and nice in, uh, in the Western world. The, the West, it was easy for Russia to point that uh, the West was uh, fighting among themselves, the Europeans are not agreeing with uh, with Americans. The Europeans are, and then the American president is uh, is praising the uh, our dictator in Russia. Uh, the American, uh, American former American president, is calling was calling him uh, was calling Vladimir Putin a genius. So every time these little things were that were happening, uh, those were signals to Russia that uh, well. You know, we're praised here. We are not deterred there. Uh, and then there was this similar things, similar developments were happening in the European Union. In 2016, Brexit, uh, with Brexit, the United Kingdom exited the European Union. And that was uh, probably party time in Russia. It was uh, exhibit B that not, not, not everything is good in the Western alliance. I, I appreciate the... Uh, uh, humanitarian relief efforts by ordinary Americans and by ordinary Americans, I mean ordinary citizens um, and uh, and elites. So, you know, we would all talk about sanctions. We all talk about sanctions that were imposed by governments, by companies. Those are good things. But then there is uh, there is a major humanitarian catastrophe um, that is in happening in Ukraine right now. Uh, 2.5 by different estimates. I think the last number I saw, 2.8 million people left Ukraine as refugees and uh, for Poland, for Slovakia, for Romania, Moldova, and uh, probably five times the amount of people have been displaced in Ukraine. So I would think easily uh, 10 million people out of a 40 million population have been displaced in Ukraine. So it's a major humanitarian catastrophe in Ukraine. Um, and so I know that there are a lot of organizations that are, and a lot of Americans who are looking for ways to help and to to donate and help this humanitarian effort. And 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 I am as a Ukrainian, I appreciate these efforts and I appreciate the willingness of Americans to help. And I know my friends have been reaching out to me, trying to find ways. Uh, I have. Uh, participated in a drive about 10 days ago with the Ukrainian store Eurofoods uh, that was uh, accepting donations and uh, we organized a, a semi, a truck load of uh, pallets and, and, and cargo of medical supplies 
that was shipped to New Jersey and then it was later shipped to to the border on on the Ukrainian uh, Polish border to a Polish organization. Uh, those were humanitarian supplies, and so uh, I, I I appreciate the efforts. And so for those for those uh, Americans who are willing to help, there are a number of organizations that exist out there. One organization that I would recognize is the organization Razom, uh, R A Z O M, and in translation in Ukrainian it means together. There. Different ways of uh, support. How this organization support uh, uh, helps different communities. They they have targeted help, health, and that they uh, uh, accept donations for medical supplies. For they have a general fund. They have uh, donations for military supplies, uh, and um, and then for local uh, people who are here in Charleston in the Charleston area, um, there is a Ukrainian store Eurofoods. Uh, in, in West Ashley, and uh, there is a second, a second effort or a second sort of wave of uh, uh, accepting donations. Uh, we are preparing another shipment uh, to Northeast so that it would go further to Ukraine or to the border with Poland and Ukraine for humanitarian organizations working on the ground. Um, I'm also working with uh, with, a, with a colleague in uh, the Polish city of Toruń. Uh, which is in the western part of Poland, um, and that organization has, has connections with a Ukrainian organization from Western Ukraine, and so uh, that organization, the Polish organization, is um, purchasing medical supplies and shipping these medical supplies to uh, to Ukraine, and so I have been um, helping collect the funds for uh, to send the funds to the Polish organization. And so I, I appreciate the, uh, the help of uh, Americans and my family and uh, my friends and, um, and all, all people who donate, don't have donated or are thinking about donating different amounts of you know, 10 to $15 to hundreds of dollars. Uh, but I also am very concerned that the humanitarian crisis is not gonna end after you know, a week from today. Uh, there is a major destruction in major Ukrainian cities, and even if war ends today, uh, there, there will be a lot of work that needs to be done, a lot of help that will be required from governments, Western governments, Western international financial institutions, and from from people, regular people, who would be willing to volunteer their time or, or help with a monetary donation. Dr. Max Kovalov, professor at the College of Charleston and native of Ukraine. Thank you for sharing your personal and professional insight. We wish you the very best and safety to your family. Thank you very much for speaking with me. Thank you for having me. That's it for this episode of Let's Talk. Let's Talk is produced by Eric Johnson. I'm the host, Carolyn Murray. We welcome your comments and advice on our podcast, so please write a review and share the link with others. Thanks again for listening to Let's Talk. Goodbye until the next time.